With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it was the pod before Christmas, and all through the community, our eyes appealed for rotation immunity. To chew on the game that just was and offer some advice for the festive onslaught, I'm joined today by both Nick and Mark, otherwise known as the brilliant at FPL General on Twitter and the man behind the equally brilliant 59th Minute podcast. Nick, you all right? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. It's been a decent December for me so far, FPL-wise. I'm just hoping that Santa's some more green arrows for me for Christmas. Just to say quickly, of course, that we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and use Spotify, SoundCloud or wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe. So welcome to the pod, uh, General or Mark, um, as I think you'd prefer to be called. I doubt that there's anyone who doesn't know you, but just in case, would you mind introducing yourself to the good people? Hi lads, thank, thanks for having me on. As you say, better known as the general nowadays. Even even my own mother and my, my wife refer to me as the general more often mm-hmm. than Mark nowadays. But yeah, Mark is still my name. That's the name I was given when I was born. <laughs> general has taken over. Um, but yeah, I've I've been playing playing FPL now for ten plus seasons. I'm an addict like yourselves, and and I've managed to have some pretty good finishes over the last couple of seasons. Three top five hundreds in the last four years. Um, struggling a little bit this season, but I've made some inroads in, in recent weeks. So hoping to carry some momentum now into the festive fixtures. So I listen, I listen to you guys every week. So it's a pleasure, pleasure to join you uh, for Christmas. Cheers, Mark, and welcome to the pod uh, from me too. Excited to have you on here with us this week. Uh, so in this pod, we'll be discussing the upcoming Christmas period and kind of taking stock where FPL managers may be with their teams and what we think may be some good approaches to the hectic schedule uh, in terms of things like premium assets, bench strategies. We'll then, of course, look at our features and answer some of your questions. Sounds great, Tom, and thanks for the questions this week, everybody. So let's start with the game week reviews quickly. Mark, as the guest, you first then. How did you get on this game week and how's your season going? Yeah, so as I mentioned, it was a bit of a struggle um, up until a couple of weeks ago. I had a, I had a horror game week 13, managed to have my worst ever game week playing the game and all my time playing the game. I think I got a 5.7 million game week rank, game week 13. So it was unlucky, unlucky 13 for me. But I've managed to battle back since then. I've had four green arrows since. So I've climbed from about 450k to, I think I'm at 132k now, roughly. So things are going better recently. So hopefully carry that form into Christmas now as well. The the weekend, uh, Saturday went pretty well. I had uh, Fabianski, Doherty and Jimenez did the business on Saturday. And with the likes of, of Kane and, and Sterling not doing too much damage, I was quite confident going into Sunday. But as you know, in FPL, when you're confident going into a Sunday, it usually doesn't really go the way you want it to. So it was pretty frustrating. Had a Bamiyan captain, 
Um, that was a painful watch. You know, we had enough chances to, to get on the score sheet. It was just a very frustrating watch as a, as a captainer. Uh, Salah as well and Robertson. Obviously, as a Man United fan, it was painful enough watching United lose. Yeah. And then no fantasy points from Robertson or Salah either, just to rub salt in the wind. And Alonso, frustrating on Sunday as well, hit the post and then conceded within minutes. That was another second or so. Hazard was the only good uh, the good point about Sunday. Um, and that was enough. I think 51 points I finished on and got me a small green arrow. So with a captaincy fail, I'll always take a green arrow. Sounds all right anyway. And it, yeah, it's really good news that your season st- is starting to pick up. And I think anyone who's having a bad season should take solace in what you said, that you were about 450k about four game weeks ago. And now you're starting to to compete. Um, yeah, similar for me. Um, I've had a good December so far. I've jumped up now to 83k overall rank. So in the top 100k, hoping to stay in there um, in the interim. I got 56 points this game week. Um, it was a particularly strong Saturday, sort of driven by Sané and the West Ham heroes, Snodgrass and Fabianski. But it was, like yourself, Mark, it was a bit of a terrible Sunday with um, nine points for my major assets. Uh, Salah, Robbo, um, Alonso and Aubameyang all sort of letting me down. So Sunday was a bit poor from an FPL perspective, but this Saturday was, was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you've still done the right, haven't you? Where I was four game weeks ago. So, well, well, Mark, you've been on a steady upward trajectory. Well, Nick, you've uh, also been on quite a meteoric upward trajectory. Um, I'm looking at my performance and want to slap my face and go, ah, 52 points this game week. It's okay. It's a little bit of a green arrow. I'm up to 190k or something. But, you know, from the where I was at, kind of 40k at one point in the season, that's very, very annoying. And, you know, I'm just hoping I'll be able to uh, work my way back now. I had Sane and I had Sterling. Um, so I had a very, very good start to the game week. Philippe Anderson got an assist. Uh, Kane last minute assist, which felt like a goal somehow. Um, but, you know, on Sunday, things went pretty wrong. Or Bamiang, I was uh, cringing through that with you, Mark, as an Arsenal fan. I also had, uh, had Alonso. Uh, you know, he went from 15 points to one point in what five minutes, something like that, through missing the goal, the goal not going in, him hitting the inside of the post, and then them conceding, and then uh, the card later on. And uh, yeah, Kalasinac was the, the man that I decided to bring in for TAA. Uh, so obviously, he didn't show up uh, last minute. Unmentioned thigh injury kept him out of the game. I got Wambisak off the bench, which was good, but I kind of wish I rolled the transfer. It wasn't a necessary one, uh, which uh, is, is very, very annoying. And I blame uh, FPL Rich, Richard Orford, squarely for this, for making me do it on uh, on Saturday morning after the FPL drinks. Uh, no, not really. It was just me being a bit silly, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's move on to the first kind of talking point of, of this week's pod. And it's always very good to have kind of three people in different spaces in their season. Just in terms of the squads at the moment, talk about your squad, but talk about how other people may have their squads too. How happy are you with what you've got at the moment? What are the key weaknesses and strengths of how you're set up right now? Mark, do you want to go first on that one? Yeah, sure. I, I've just noted down a couple of strengths and weaknesses here. Um, I'm I'm not overly happy with where my squad is at the moment going into the Christmas period. Uh, I banked a transfer last week with, with a view to doing a bit of surgery this week to get me you know closer to where I want to be uh, for these for this festive period. So one of my major weaknesses over the last couple of weeks is having no Man City midfielder. So that's been hurting me every every week. You know, Sterling and Sané, two of the must-have players this season, buying in for and playing for the highest scoring team in the league. And I just haven't got around to, you know, every week I just find a reason not to get them in. Um, obviously, I kept Salah for his hat-tricks. So it paid off that week. Um, but again, you know, Sterling outscored him again at the weekend. Coming off the bench, I just knew he would do damage as soon as he came on. Um, 
Madison is another area of my team I'm probably I want to address as well. Very frustrating. He came off at half time. Um, I kind of had him penciled in this week to get rid of him anyway. So that just that's the final straw with him now. He, he, he did serve me pretty well for a couple of weeks, but it's time to cut ties with Madison now as well. Another weakness I feel is I only, I just brought uh, I did Arnie to Mitrovic last week and already you know I'm, I'm I've already lost patience with Mitrovic. I watched. 90 minutes of Fulham at the weekend and it you know it was a it was a horrible 90 minutes to watch really they they were just awful um Mitrovic was starved of service so I am actually already thinking about cutting ties with Mitrovic you know I, I kind of brought him in with four the next four game weeks in mind but having watched them at the weekend I just can't really see too much from him over the coming weeks if they play like they did at the weekend uh, another weakness of mine is I've got a dud third sub at the moment I like to go into Christmas with a full playing bench I've got Danny Ward thinking up my bench and I, I'm probably not going to get a chance to improve that uh, before Christmas. So I'm hoping I can get through with two um, strengths. Then I think my defence is okay. Uh, Alonso, Robertson, Juan Bissaka, Balbuena, and who's the other one? Uh, Doherty as well. So I don't. I feel like I don't need to touch defence. I'm happy with Fabianski in goal. So that allows me to focus on more exciting transfers in midfield and attack. Um, Another strength I feel as well is already having Hazard in my side because I know a lot of people are going to probably be trying to get him in now. You know, he's in great form and he's got great fixtures. So that that's where I'm at. I'm probably looking at a bit of a shakeup, and um, probably to you know lean towards the Man City midfielders this week. Okay, yeah, you're in a free for free at the moment, aren't you? Really, you got a bit lucky this week with uh, Wan Bissaka and Balbuena uh, both returning clean sheets on your bench, and as you mentioned, you've, you've got one dead spot. Like. In that three-four-three, are you fairly committed to that? Um, like, if you remove Mitrovic, will it be to kind of retain that formation, or are you looking to kind of uh, exploit value elsewhere? Yeah, well, I've over the years I've always been a big three-four-three manager, um, but, but the way I'm looking at things now, you know, I've got a Bamiang up front as my premium striker. Um, you know, he's gone three games without a goal now, which has been very frustrating. But I'm more than likely going to have a bit of patience with him give him two more games, but I could see myself switching formation then. You know, the value is in the cheap strikers this season and in the in the midfielders. So I'm I'm possibly looking at maybe a move to three five two over the next maybe three or four weeks and, and possibly going just with three budget strikers. You know, things things can change very quickly in FPL, but I just think Kane is not justifying his price. Aubameyang is, is stuttering and, and you know Aguero's got Jesus now for competition. So there's definitely a case to be made for going three five two with uh, cheap strikers. Yeah, I think I'm certainly uh, certainly moving towards that. So Nick, we, you and me both own or Bamiang and Kane, um, in a quite a hefty kind of three-five-two sort of thing. Well, it was uh, with success this week for a one-pointer, which was obviously fantastic. <laughs> but three-five-two. What, what are your views on your squad at the moment? Are you committed to how you're set up, or are you looking to make changes? And what are the key stretch winters that you've got at the moment? So I'm, I'm generally happy with my squad. Um, so Aubameyang blanked again, but he was the highest XG underachievable with 0.71. And with Burnley at home up next, he's possibly going to even be my captain next game week. Um, in terms of the other players, sort of blanked last game week, the likes of Robertson, he created more chances than any other player. With four against tricky opposition, Liverpool actually amassed a ridiculous 36 shots against United as well. So I think um, having Salah, um, over the Christmas period, I'm, I'm going to be keeping him. I quite like him in my team. And he's actually turned into a little bit of a differential with that hat-trick the other game week. Um, I can't see myself sort of touching the defence as well, generally. Um, I haven't actually made any moves um, in defence for the last few game weeks, but my defence is essentially 
the ultimate template now with Alonso, Doherty, uh, Dine, um, or Dean, uh, Robertson and Wan-Bissaka, uh, with three of those guys actually being the most transferred in defenders and having four of the five most owned. I think I'm just not going to be touching that defence for the foreseeable future, even though um, a couple of them have tricky fixtures this game week. I think, um, like yourself, uh, Mark, my concern actually is um, City coverage. So I've got Leroy Sane, but I don't have um, Sterling. And um, even though I've kind of got it away with it a little bit in the last few game weeks with a couple of rests for him, he's, he's bound to start the next game against Crystal Palace. And um, I think I've got to fit him in. So it's kind of strategizing, sort of strategizing how I fit him in. And possibly uh, Harry Kane might be the full guy. Similar to you, I'm looking at those two. Like, well, as you mentioned, Bamiang got very unlucky and... Kane as well. I mean, he does have Bournemouth in game week uh, or on Boxing Day, which I'm looking at. But, you know, with the two premium strikers up front, it could be a case of this is my house, I have to defend it sort of thing. But actually, the reality is that I'm also looking at those two guys and thinking, oh, in common with Mark, what you said, I I think that maybe the value may be in the midfield and maybe I may have uh, made a bit too much of a play to um, to go too strong up front. Like, as you mentioned, Aubameyang, Maybe is worth some patience. I mean, since I've signed him, he's risen in price by 0.6, but he's only returned one assist in three games. The data does say he's near explosion. As you said, Nick, he was at 0.76 goals, wasn't it? Um, And he was also expected to score 1.44 goals last game. So he's getting the right positions, and that's reassuring. He's had 13 attempts in the last four sets on target, and he's actually fourth for pen box touches as well, which is quite good because earlier on in the season, we were threatening that he wasn't really threatening the stats. but Kane's looking a bit of a dodgy one, isn't he? In the last four, eight attempts, four on target, and he's converted two of them. So he's got a conversion rate of 25%, which some people may flag as being crazy. And like he really needs Ericsson. Uh, seven of Kane's nine goals have come with Ericsson on the pitch. Only the brace against Huddersfield was scored without him being there. He's scored three penalties this season as well, Kane. Um, so he's a six-goal striker otherwise, which is... Yeah, that's, that's quite worrying in terms of value for money. Um, you know, with these kind of intended changes each week, there does seem to be someone else who's coming through, and you're kind of wishing, "Oh, I wish I had that guy." Whatever your decisions have been, it might be a case of just kind of sticking with it for now. But on that note, I guess in terms of the transfer market, that's kind of a question that other people do think about, and especially around this sort of time when we have been seeing the market's been pretty crazy and um, lots of rises, lots of falls, and people are making early moves to try to get you know, players in uh, before they're priced out, for example. What are you guys thinking in terms of the transfer market over this Christmas period? Like, what approach are you going to be taking? So I think over the Christmas period, I'm I'm going to be taking it cautiously. I have the luxury now of two free transfers, which allows me to kind of play a little bit with my team. Generally, I'm quite happy with my team. I think I'll be going on the uh, going easy on the Pepsi and not making too many rash transfers. There's been some nice sources of points from various people like Snodgrass. Um, I've still got Ryan Fraser as well, but he's relatively cheap and I'm hoping that he might do well against Brighton up next. I think it's generally just the uh, the premium players that I'm going to be playing around with, but you have to be careful because you know you don't want to react too much to one game week for instance if your premium player is benched it doesn't mean that suddenly he's a bad pick he's probably going to be back for the following game week so probably going to be avoiding the minus fours and minus eights I think generally a lot of us took hits over the past few game weeks and a lot of us like yourself Tom got um, quite heavily punished so for now it's, it's going to be a cautious approach over Christmas and uh, sort of a wait and see with my transfers and just generally make the um, enforced changes as opposed to the elective ones. What about yourself, Mark? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very cautious 
FPL manager. Um, I've only taken one point set so far this season. That was a few weeks ago for, I brought in Doherty, Jimenez and Richarlison for a minus four. You know, it didn't pay off in the first week, but over the last few weeks it has has paid off. So I'm I'm possibly, you know, looking at my second point set of the season this week, as I mentioned, you know, to set me up for Christmas. Um, but I like, I, I always try and bank a transfer wherever possible to have the flexibility of those two free transfers. And, you know, with a, with a minus four then, you know, it's referred to as a mini wildcard. You can do, you know, three changes makes a big difference to your overall squad balance. So that's what I'm probably looking at this week. My my approach doesn't really change during the Christmas period. You know, I, I, I just, I don't I don't view it any differently, even though the game weeks come, you know, thick and fast. Um, I always wait for as long as possible before making my transfers. I rather have all the information um, on a Friday evening. You know, I don't mind losing 0.1 or 0.2 million. I rather sacrifice that to have all the information necessary to make the best informed decisions and that's what i'll be doing over christmas as well and um, just leaving it to the to the last minute well you know maybe not the last minute i'm never someone who makes these uh, 11 29 transfers dyson with death but you know an hour before deadline I, i'll uh, i'll probably leave my decisions again it's a, it's just gonna be a patient approach for me i'll probably take a hit this week but more than likely then i probably i'll just try and roll a transfer every week if possible, because I think it could come in handy with, with the rotation that we're, we're going to see. Yeah, I think that kind of uh, the more considered approach has definitely stood you in good stead. Like I think the week that you must have taken me over, I'm, f- I'm fairly sure this was that week, was when Anatovic was out and I I took a big hit to get rid of him and kind of upgrade him and all this kind of thing. And you just benched him and that works out incredibly well for you, which probably shows the difference between me being a pundit and you being an actual player. Um, but, but still, like, you know, that, that was that was just such a great kind of example of where the considered approach can really work out and where you're kind of thinking, well, actually, there might be a good point to bank the transfer here. And after my recent poor experiences, I think that's definitely what I'm going to be doing too. It sounds like people are going to be looking at us and thinking, why are you all dressed as chickens? But I think that is the reality that um, around this time it is worth taking as an approach. I think most people who are engaged can have decent team value by now. I mean, mine's about 105 or something like that. And it's about focusing to get the right players in. I don't want to hit. I mostly would prefer to have one point from Bennett or something come off the bench than um, the four points lost. Like the reason for this is just a simple arithmetic, really. Like anyone in, you bring in for a hit, um, if the player's injured, the person you bring in needs to score five points to repay it, right? They need to get the four for the hit, and they get to get one more on top. So I don't know, get an assist or something. And the people often say, you know, it's a minus two if you sell an injured player. This because if you get a player in uh, for somebody else who's going to play ninety minutes and get two points, you need to score seven points from the guy who comes in, uh, which is uh, you need to get the four from the hit. You need to get two from the appearance at least. Uh, so you need six to break even. You need seven for one point of pure profit from the hit. And you've got to ask yourself, is that worth it, or can you roll the free transfer and do it for free next week and have a pure gain there? I think maybe not watching the market too much. That's something that we're certainly fairly guilty of, isn't it, Nick? But it sounds like for you, Mark, it's not really something that really has too much of an impact on the decisions that you make. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I never let the market dictate my transfers. And I've, I've always played like that. Um, the only the only time I ever really look at you know the the price change websites is if, if I've got you know one or two transfers in mind and I've only got you know the 0.0 in the bank wriggle room you know if I have to act early that's the only time I ever do it and even in that in that case if I've got doubts you know if it's a Tuesday or Wednesday I always feel pretty uneasy about making a move early and sometimes I just let it go and then I'll, I'll just settle for the next best option you know and that's the way I've always played and it's always tended to work out quite well because People who do move early, there there will come a stage in the season, you know, once or twice where you get stung by a you know a, 
a press conference on a Friday where someone comes out, they may just have the flu and, you know, they, they miss out at the weekend and it forces you into that minus four that you wouldn't have done maybe if you, you know, just waited. Um, and I always think of it as, you know, an unnecessary minus four could be the difference in the league at the end of the season. So that's the way I always look at it. And um, for me, it's it's always just patience and not letting the market influence my transfer decisions. Yeah, I think we're very similar there. We've always talked on our pod about the Austin rule when me and Tom both got stung by a Charlie Austin injury on a bleak Thursday night and then had to both take minus eights. I think I got Christian Benteke in that game week and he proceeded to do nothing as well. And uh, yeah, after that, I've, I've always really avoided, especially in weeks where there's sort of mid, you know, big teams playing midweek doing those early transfers. Unless, like you said, it's a case of... 0.0 in the bank and, and you have to make that move sometimes I will do it to to get that player that I really want in but yeah I think I think we're both very similar in terms of watching the market as well it, in recent times it has been about moving these kind of premium assets on and I think that's quite an interesting thing to talk about here with a lot of questions this week about the premium assets and I'm guessing you know, we're already there with a lot of the players that we that we kind of that we kind of want or at least we kind of set in the formation that we are. But lots of questions about the premiums, people like our friend here in the Heroes and Villains FPL, Bashell in the FPL, Gundam, Peter, Sonny gets good to the flash and Will FF Hub uh, will particularly ask the which three premiums we prefer to own over Christmas. But the best question that sums us up was from FPL Flooded, who responded to say, Can anyone be labelled as essential anymore? So how are you guys approaching your premium guys? Are you exercising patience or are you hopping them in and out as it were nick what are you can do with yours well i feel like uh, i'm trapped like many other managers sort of trapped in premium ping pong right now and we're swapping one player out bringing in another that player gets rested or the other one gets a hat trick and it's just really really hard to call it feels harder than any other season to call which asset to own at which time because any of them can be rested at any time and any of them can score a hat-trick at any time and against any team really as well and any team outside the top five is, is a good fixture so um yeah I think for me Sterling is the one that I really want to fit into the team and I think that Kane's going to be that full guy he's going to be the one shouting pack my suitcase I was I was originally actually planning a Salah um sale but I'm now leaning towards Kane. I did a little comparison between Kane and Salah on, on Fantasy Football Scout and and Salah actually beat Kane with plus 10 on key stats with Kane only being ahead on one of the key stats, which was shot accuracy. So most stats are so much better than Harry Kane's currently. He, he, he performs pretty poorly against Burnley. He was virtually playing as an attacking mid behind Mora. Um, he's a little bit more expensive than Mo, and he also gets less points for goals as well. So and doesn't get a point for a clean sheet when Liverpool get a clean sheet, which is pretty much every game week. So at the moment for me, I feel like if I'm going to get Sterling in and I'm going to keep Aubameyang, I'm going to keep Sane, then Kane is the one I'm going to have to say goodbye to. Though there is also Eden Hazard. And I sold Eden Hazard the same game week that you sold Mo. And I've been punished the past couple of games quite heavily by this guy who's continuing to, he always does this, and he's, I've described him as the biggest troll in FPL history, but he is, he, like every every time I seem to own him, he gets me two and three points. Every time I don't own him, he, he scores hauls. It's almost better just to have him on my team, just to prevent other people getting those Eden Hazard hauls. But, you know, it, it's, it is tough at the moment trying to fit these guys in, and I'm worry about us all sort of taking these minus fours minus eights to sort of swap them all around and maybe we should just stick with the ones we've got over the christmas period and, and hope that they you know return for those yeah. fixtures that we got them in 
Yeah, I mean, after my experience, it feels like I just made my FPL rank disappear. It was really, really late. It's one of those things that it kind of feels like I'm more towards keeping faith with my guys at the moment rather than moving them on. But, you know, my eyes on Hazard as well. But, I mean, Mark? Yeah, I've got a plan in the back of my mind. Um, but I, I am waiting to see how City line up uh, Tuesday night because that could change change my thinking. Depends who plays and depends who's on the bench, really, for that one. It may may influence me. So I've got Hazard, I've got Salah, and I've got a Bamiang. And Hazard, I've, I've been on the wrong side of Hazard trolling, you know, last season. Um, but I've actually been on the right side of it this season for a change because I brought him in. I brought him in on my wildcard game week five, just in time for his hat trick. You know, I couldn't believe that I actually got Hazard points while I, while I owned him. And then then I kept him all through his, his injury troubles. And, you know, I reaped the benefits of that patience then over the last couple of weeks. I always had an eye on these upcoming couple of fixtures. Um, and it was a bonus then that he he delivered against Man City as well. So he's he's been great for me this season. Um, so he he's going absolutely nowhere. Uh, I've got Salah, who obviously was was great when he got his hat trick against Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth did hand him that hat trick on a plate, though. So you know I'll be forever grateful to Steve Cook for those twenty one points. Um, Aubameyang as well. You know he's been disappointing. Um, I got him in just before the Man United game, so I didn't really expect much from him there. <laughs> And and he's he's blanked. He's blank. He hasn't scored in the in the last three games now. But I, you know, I brought Aubameyang in. You know, with these kind of four games in mind. So two of them are gone now, um, and and he's got two more. He's got Burnley and Brighton. So I'm just gonna be patient with Aubameyang and give him those two fixtures. I've seen enough from him at the weekend against Southampton that gives me faith that he will deliver in those two games. You know, good getting into good positions on another day. You know, Aubameyang could have had a brace in that game. Just really. It was a strange performance from him because he, you know, he did have very good chances. So with Hazard going nowhere, and I want to give Aubameyang more time for me to get Sterling. Salah's going to be going to have to be the fall guy. Um, you know, I probably should have done it last week before Salah played United, and um, but but thankfully Sterling didn't punish too much. You know, I think it was only a four point difference last week, but I kind of feel fortunate almost. Um, I always feel pretty vulnerable going into a game week really without City midfielders, and I think it's just about time for me now to to stop uh, beating around the bush and just bite the bullet. So the plan that I have in the back of my mind, which I think more about after the, the cup game midweek, is Salah to Sterling, um, Mitrovic to Danny Ings, and that would allow me to do Madison to Sane. So it would actually be bringing in two City midfielders this week. So that would give me a midfield of Hazard, Sterling, Sane, and then I would be able to keep a Bamiang as well for his next two fixtures. So that's kind of the thoughts that are going around my mind at the moment. And um, that would be for a minus four this week. So interested to see what the lineups are tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think just with the premiums, it kind of feels like it's one of those things to do when you've got two free transfers, isn't it? And kind of having that kind of flexibility to move things around that you don't really have if you want to take points hits. With my setup, I'm very similar to Nick. Playing ping pong in terms of figuring out whether Aubameyang and Kane are, are worth having there. Like, you know, I, my eyes on Hazard again. Um, your mate, Mark Hazard. And there are two reasons for this. The first is the selfishness index write-up for 90 mat, um, which is going to come out... Um, this week actually um but that reminded me of how unselfish hazard is and how he is going to get bonus if he does anything basically or be him with a good chance of bonus which which is really really good and that's like a little kind of extra fillip to that guy if you have your captaincy on him you've always got the extra chance of getting a few more points and the second is just the talent is just the data looking at talisman theory he is talisman for chelsea He's had 12 attempts in the last six, which put him fourth for shots at goal. And he's also top for chances created amongst midfielders too. 
the guy is the whole package, isn't he? And it just seems like the case with him that every time I've removed him, he's just, as with Nick, gone on to just annoyingly troll me. It just feels like he's one of those players you just kind of have in your team and you stick him there and you leave him for the rest of the season. There's a time when he just comes into form, isn't there? And uh, a time when he drops off and it's just a case of grin and bearing it during the drop of form and um, holding him um, and eventually seeing your patience pay off. And I'll be working out whether kind of Aubameyang... Uh, he has underperformed, hasn't he? Whether he is packed off yet again for the second time this season or whether it is Kane and releasing all that money. Like, as you mentioned, watching Aubameyang, he did have the chances. He was a great block by Bednarak and didn't quite get the contact on that chance in the second half when he was through. Um, so he will probably return and the next two games are pretty good. Um, it's just kind of the patience I've got there. And Harry Kane does have uh, does have a few decent fixtures. I think it's Everton away, Bournemouth at home, Wolves at home, and then Cardiff away. So three out of those four are pretty good games. It's just whether he can rouse himself and more importantly with Ericsson's in the team when it comes to these guys that when you're deciding to sell a premium asset like what are the key triggers yeah so the main thing really is you know I'll try weigh up you know what I think will score better you know whether keeping Salah um we, you know would do better than bringing in the two city guys with, with the minus four so again it's with Salah, it's just it's it's the it's the price tag. It's the same with Harry Kane. You know, that's one of the main reasons I avoided Harry Kane is the price tag. Um, and I'm asking myself the question again now about Salah, which I, I I feel like I'm asking myself every week this season: Is he worth the 13 million? I think he's 13.1 now. Um, but for me, when I, when I was messing around with those possible transfers, just when I look at my team uh, with two City guys in it, as opposed to you know like Salah and Madison. Um, to me, that's just a. It seems like an upgrade, a big upgrade to have two two guys from the city midfield, um, who who have been hurting me recently and who I expect to continue to score well over Christmas. Uh, the thing about Salah as well is, you know, if you take take the hat trick away against Bournemouth, you know, he hasn't been pulling up any trees this season, and they're just to me, they're just still even watching him against United. There just seems to be something not right there with him. Um, He's he's just not as clinical as the likes of Sterling and and Sané are. You know, when it, when he gets near the box, he, he stutters. He gives the ball away a lot. He just to me he just strikes me as a player who never really looks like scoring. Um, when when he gets near the box, you know, obviously he does score score plenty of goals, but again, it, it all comes back to price tag really and what I can do with that with that money. Um, and at the moment, looking at it for for the next maybe four or five game weeks in mind. To me, having two city midfielders instead of having Salah looks a lot better. And uh, maybe with, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, I can always go back to Salah maybe in four or five game weeks' time. But it's it's a tough one because Salah does have he's got Wolves away on Friday night and then he's got Newcastle at home on Boxing Day. So it's it's very good fixtures on paper for Salah and, and you know it could it could go wrong. But these are the big calls we we all we're all facing coming into Christmas. Yeah, I think for me it is a case of value as well and where can I see the best value in my team. So selling Harry Kane, who's who's very expensive, bringing in Sterling, who's slightly cheaper, actually allows me to rejig my team a little bit and um, bolster my uh, my bench as well because I think we're going to talk about the bench sort of and how uh, how we're prioritising the bench over the sort of the Christmas period. And currently on my bench, I've got uh, Hoiberg success and. AWB sitting on it, which isn't the best bench anyone's ever seen. And uh, this game, we could also currently have uh, Luca Dean playing against Spurs and Matt Doherty playing against Liverpool in my starting 11. So as part of my sort of two transfers, um, if I bring in um, St- if I bring in Sterling for Hoiberg, 
I can do um, Harry Kane to Danny Ings against Huddersfield. And that gives me an extra man and an extra person on the bench. So sort of prioritising value in my team, as well as just doing a premium swap, I'm also actually upgrading another position and bringing in a player that's potentially going to return and getting rid of a player that's very unlikely to return. Yeah, your bench is uh, is bad, but, you know, oh my God, my bench, woof, it's, it's even worse, um, really is bad. I, I'm looking at a situation where I've, at the moment I'm, I've fielded Bro Potus Kennedy, uh, who is flagged, and on my bench I've got Isaac Success, uh, Bennett and Wan-Bissaka. In, in normal times, that, that's okay. The issue is, is that Bennett is home to Liverpool and Wan-Bissaka is away to Man City, and uh, Kalasnach is flagged. So I've got a very dodgy bench at the moment. I think with you, a lot. Uh, I think your point was perhaps right in it that it's about value there. And uh, when I've got two free transfers, which I'm not doing anything this week because I can't do a straight swap to anybody. Like I would have, you know, I think it was on Saturday night. Your man Snodgrass was uh, rising. I could have done Kennedy to Snodgrass for zero point zero, but I left it because you know I'm in a situation now. Where I've got to roll the free transfers and hopefully have an outcome like you did, Mark, a couple of weeks ago, which I'm hoping that my key men can do the job for me. Um, and then later on, I'll be prioritizing just trying to get incrementally getting rid of that bench rather than taking maybe a big hit at any point to, to sort that out. Mark, what's your approach to benching? You mentioned that, you've, that you're that you kind of going to be happy with Ward or not happy, but you're going to kind of accept that you've got Ward as your third bencher and then going with two. Do you think that'll be enough over Christmas? I'm more hopeful than anything really with two subs at the moment. So in previous seasons, you know, I've always tried to go into the Christmas period with three playing subs, not, not even just Christmas. Any time of year, I like to have three playing subs. Um, we've seen it a couple of weeks ago, just a random game week where a lot of people actually needed their third sub. So I always like to have playing subs if I can. Danny Ward's been a bit of a disaster for me. I brought him in on wildcard um, and then he got injured. And I think he dropped point two as well, just to just to make things even worse. So it's it's a, it's a position that's always low priority, uh, like, like the goalkeeper as well. You know, you only really fix it if you have nothing else to do. And... Going into Christmas, you know, there's I want city midfielders. I'm looking at a restructure, so more than likely I'm going to be unable to change Danny Ward anytime soon. Um, but hopefully there will come a game week where I'm in a good position with two free transfers and I could have the luxury of maybe changing Ward to someone. Uh, the guy at Wills is the guy I've got my eye on, uh, Gibbs White. If he can get regular game time at 4.3, the same price he would. You know, even if he only gets 20 minutes every week and he, and he gets a point, you know, at least you've got that point coming on if you ever need your third sub. But more than likely, as I talked about, uh, I'm looking probably at a change in structure. And that structure will mean probably Danny Ings coming in as a third cheap striker. But there'll probably be weeks where I you know, would bench him the likes of the game week 20 and 21. I think Ings has, has City and Chelsea. So it would be, you know, five midfielders that I could play every week and then the three cheap strikers. So that it essentially that would be a strong front eight. And then you've got one uh, Basaka and, and Balbuena to cover me from the bench. So that's, that's, that's the advice I would give. You know, if you can get to three, you know, do. But I'm, I'm just hoping that I'd be able to survive with two uh, over Christmas. I think there's definitely a premium on 90-minute men. I do. I, I saw, um, and I think I tweeted actually, that when Gibbs White started in attacking midfield for Wolves, that was, a, as you mentioned, quite a good boon for a lot of managers. So I've definitely got my eye on him and Masuaku in the 4.3. It's, it's terrible, isn't it, to be looking at those guys. Oh, what an awful shop in the status. Um, but looking at them as people who are going to get me you know, what the odd one or two points uh, and really crucially save me a lot of money, especially if I get rid of Kennedy. That's 0.6, isn't it? 4.4, you've got your, your man, Hoiberg, Nick, or Gunnarsson, and defense 
bench, uh, right down the bottom, you've got guys like Diop, who's got great fixtures, but he's not a great player. Analogous, perhaps, to Balbuena. Kiko Firmino, you know, Callum Chambers, Bennett, Wambasaka, and, of course, Bednarak, who's uh, emerged from the dust. And uh, Danny Ings has uh, recently burst onto the scene, hasn't he, after his brace? Um but, you know, having 90-minute men is very important, isn't it? Just to get those extra two points off the bench. Because that can often be the difference, can't it, if people do have uh, heads or uh, a weekly prize or something like that. What's the one bit of advice you give to FPL managers, Mark, over this Christmas period? I, it's, it's a very simple one, but it's a very important one. Uh, and it's just to know when the deadlines are and, and you know, set, set reminders in your phone. Because over – I know what it's like for me. Over, over Christmas, um, you know, the – if you're celebrating the festivities and things like that, you can you can lose track of FPL very easily. A game week ends on a Thursday and there's another deadline on Saturday morning. So it's a simple one, but it's an important one because if you miss one deadline, you know, it can derail your season. I remember last last New Year's, um, I was out on New Year's Eve and for God, who, who makes deadlines on, on New Year's Day at, at half past 11? But it almost caught me out. I woke up at about quarter to 11 on the, the morning of New Year's Day so I had 45 minutes to the deadline, uh, severely hungover, couldn't, you know, I was seeing double double Hoibergs and, and everything else looking at the screen. But I actually played my free hit on New Year's Day. I had 45 minutes. Uh, there, was, there, was re- there was red flags, there was yellow flags, and it was just an impulse decision, you know, suffering with a hangover. Thank- thankfully for me, it worked out quite well. Uh, my free hit actually got me probably about 25 and what my team would have got. But that's definitely something I'm, I'm going to avoid this season. I'm going to going to try and have a fresh head on New Year's Day. And because playing my free hit last season on New Year's Day, it made the end of my season really tricky because I didn't have the free hit then for the blank game week. And I had to do so much extra planning. And it was just a lot of stress that could have been avoided by just waking up in time, basically. So that's it. You know, know when the deadlines are and, and, and try to avoid the hangovers as well. Yeah, it's very good advice. You don't want to mix your Pierre Emiles with your Pierre Emmerichs, do you? So, uh... Yeah, definitely. Don't be what the French call les incompletons over Christmas. Right, let's take a break there, guys, and we'll come on to the features after that. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back and we move on to the features now. This is our regular section where we speak through the market forces, the Zombie League and the All England team. Uh, the first thing is our market forces section. This is where Nick uses our FPL NTR data to describe the movers and shakers in the transfer market. Uh, so Nick, what have you been noticing? So the uh, the guy that's disrupting the market forces at the moment, even though there's not too many real standout movers and shakers, it's uh, Leroy Sane right at the top. At 9.6 million, I think owners are looking at this guy and saying, credit card, you got it. I mean, he's not part of the 10 million club at the moment, but he's likely to join it. The City man continues to benefit from sort of Mendy's extended absence, uh, making that left wing slot in the City side his with four goals and three assists in the last six. Um, Palace up next means that a lot of people are doubling up on that City midfield with Sterling and uh, Sane. So, Mark, I know you're, you're a big fan of Sane. Do you think uh, you've got space for him at the moment? Yeah, he's in my, he's in my thoughts, and it's you know it's no surprise to see him as one of the most transferred in players this week. That home fixture against Palace, you know, it doesn't get much better. Uh, he, he said he could easily rack up four or five goals in that game. So hopefully, hopefully, Sane might get a rest uh, in the cup in midweek. And if he does, more than likely, he'll, he'll come into my side for for the weekend. And he, he could even be a captaincy shout for me. 
Yeah, might be one, might be one for me as well. Actually, I was thinking that um, earlier on today when I was looking at uh, most people were obviously back in Rasdell. Uh, I got told off actually by um, by Sham from Two Guys One Podcast for saying Raz, uh, and he was like, "No, it's Raz." And I was like, "Well, I, was like, I can't help how I talk." All right, Raz, Raz. Yeah, people were looking at Raz's data. That sounds weird. I'm not going to say it anymore. Raz is data, and uh, how good he is at home. Um, playing against these sorts of teams but you know if he does play the full 90 versus uh versus uh leicester it's leicester isn't it versus leicester midweek then maybe there is a case to captain signing as you said the pitch don't come much better and the guy is bang in form anyway yeah. Yeah, i can see why he's so high up i think i think uh sammy and sterling uh, i think if you just forget about the price uh, and you know just watching city over the last few weeks and you know if, if you didn't know anything about fpl prices you would probably price both of them exactly the same. You know, Sani's playing just as well as Sterling. So I think they're equally as good captain choices this weekend against Palace. Yeah, both brilliant picks. I think elsewhere, it's, it's the West Ham men, actually. Uh, Snodgrass and Anderson uh, that are sort of also disrupting the market force with over 45,000 transfers in and 55,000 transfers in, respectively. I think both fit nicely into that reasonably priced bucket. And the Hammers are a team on the up. I've been shouting Snod is God from the rooftops, and it appears a few people may have heard. But if you've owned uh, both of these players, actually, over the last four game weeks, you've netted 65 points, which is over an average of eight a player per game. And West Ham's fixtures are still really good. They've got Watford, Southampton, Burnley and Brighton up next. So, you know, there's even a case for doubling up on this team. Yeah, the I've, I've got Fabianski and Balbuena. Um, so I've, I'm kind of at the wrong end of the pitch for West Ham. They've been scoring a lot of goals. Snodgrass, Snodgrass playing out of his skin. And Felipe Anderson has just been a joy to watch this season, and he's been a, you know, brilliant FPL asset. So, another variation to my transfers this week. If I if I don't go double Man City, I think it would be Felipe Anderson would probably be the next guy on my list. So again, no surprise to see him uh, being transferred in this week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of people looking at those guys still, and it's no surprise. In terms of the sales, though, it's uh, been Bellerin and TAA that seem to be hitting the hay most hard with 115,000 transfers out and 54,000 transfers out, respectively, due to their um, injuries. And um, it seems like Matt Doherty actually is the main, main beneficiary in defence with 44,000 transfers in. Um, he's now added uh, clean streets to his repertoire as well, meaning that he's had some form of return, be it goals, assists or clean sheet in his last four. And he's now the uh, fourth highest scoring defender in the game. And um, it seems like the doubters can no longer go without as his value continues to, uh, continues to soar. And he's now priced at 5.1. And even though a tough fixture at Liverpool waits, otherwise it's uh, Robertson and Dean are the, uh, the other defenders attracting attention with 40,000 transfers and, and 36,000 transfers respectively. Yeah, I can understand Matt Dock was starting to waver in him when Wolves beat Newcastle when Matt Dock, he was the wet bandit scoring that last minute goal. Um, a lot of interest did get engendered in the uh, in the Irishman. And you can see why, like at the moment, his, his ownership is still 22%. But if you are on t- on Twitter or in any form of social media where Matt Dock does anything, like you can see the the fact is that a lot of engaged managers do have that guy. Um, you've got to stop eating junk and watching rubbish and, and buy that guy in. Um pretty pronto because he's very quickly going to become a hygiene pick uh, elsewhere in the market force this week we've mentioned him a few times um but budget darling danny ings is uh, gaining a lot of attention um he's been brought in by uh, forty-five thousand managers now and the full guy for that has been mitrovic hasn't it nick 
Yeah, uh, Mitrovic has had over 40,000 transfers out. So that looks like a straight swap that, that people are doing. Um, incidentally, Mark, I was actually frustrated by both Madison and Mitrovic about four or five game weeks ago when my season was taking a, quite a big downturn. I think that particular game week, me and Tom basically had exactly the same teams, except he had Richarlison and, and Altovic and ended up beating me by about 25 points because of those two picks. So I think um, Mitrovic is definitely one of those players that seems to frustrate owners. He can get a couple of goals. His underlying stats are pretty good, but seems to go on these, these quite fallow periods. So uh, I know you're, you're tempted to, you're probably going to be getting rid of him this game week as well. Yeah, I mean... I've only watching that Fulham game at the weekend. It's a case of you know, do I give up or or am I thirsty for more punishment with with Mitrovic? Even though I've only owned him for one game week, you know, it's very it's very rare that I bring in a player and you know right away think about getting rid of them. But that's the way I feel about Mitrovic. Having watched that game and the player we've mentioned a lot is is Danny Ings, and that's the guy I'm looking at because it enables me to put more money into midfield. Uh, I owned Danny Ings earlier in the season, and I was. I was kind of sad to see him go because I'm a big fan of Danny Ings and he, and he did well for me in a couple of game weeks earlier in the season. So I always felt he's a player I would go back to once he, he was fit again. And Southampton just looked brilliant under this new guy, Hassan Hootel. You know, they were excellent against Arsenal and Danny Ings fits into that system really well with the, the high press and the high energy game. So I think we're going to see more goals from, from Ings over the, over the Christmas period. The big thing is fitness. We just need, to, need him to stay fit. The other good thing about that transfer, I guess, is it also frees up an extra 1.4 million, which you can invest elsewhere in the team. So, yeah, it does seem like a really good transfer there. Yeah, that, yeah, that's it. So, the like Mitrovic Danny, Danny Ings allows me to get Sterling and Sani. So, it's a that's why there's such a, a, a big appeal there, you know. Excellent, excellent. And I guess uh, the final, final one to mention is that a few people have already lost, uh, already lost patience with Aubameyang. Uh, Forty thousand transfers out uh, for the for the for the bubbly Gabonese um, after uh, three, uh, well, three games without a goal. But you know the signs are there, as we've mentioned earlier, that he may come roaring back against Burnley and Brighton. Okay, and uh, moving on to the zombie team, then Nick, um, how do you do this week? So after a sort of glorious eighty-eight points the previous game week my zombies have sort of come crashing to a halt with a gloomy 27 point return uh both Kane and Yotta got assists but that, that was literally it so very disappointing week for my shambling zombies but yeah we'll, we'll have to see how, how they pick themselves up you know give them a slap in the face or go ah but we'll, we'll see for now how about your zombies yeah, I mean, one point better off than you, but not really much to shout about. Twenty-eight points after a sixty-five last week. Um, I've got an assist from uh, assist from Jota, who went off injured, so yet another injury in my midfield. Um, I had a goal from Ericsson and the bonus, and it's just a case of thinking, Kevin, like I need De Bruyne to come back now. He was one of the main guys that I built the team around, thinking he'd just be a consistent source of points. Instead, he's just been injured, and we just left him behind again, basically week after week after week. He's gone on the bench, and someone like Kearney is coming for a one yeah. point, which has been very disappointing. Yeah, I've, I've heard you every game week saying, Kevin, you're such a disease on my zombie team. You just, you just want him to, to play, but he, he just hasn't reached full fitness yet. But, you know, it might be time, you know, it might be time for De Bruyne to finally shine. Maybe he'll start to be in our main FPL teams as well if he can actually sort out his injury problems. 
exactly. And turning our attentions quickly to the mini league, um, at the top, finally at the top, is a Thomas Storhile, Zombie Storhile, after 58-point haul this week. Uh, Aubameyang captain didn't go down too well, uh, but his midfield, he had uh, Eden Hazard, who got 13, Delafeu, who got 13, and Sterling and Mane as well. Um, a very good performance there, which means he overtakes, finally, after many weeks of chasing him, Marino Bruin, 38 weeks later, who just recorded the 33. Uh, again, Aubameyang didn't do the job for him. Uh, up to third, it's Stelian Dobrin with FC Johnny B Zombie, uh, 54 points there. Um, again, with an Aubameyang captain. In fourth, it's Blue Care 3, 64 points. Uh, Eden Hazard came through to, with the captaincy, 26 points from the Belgian there. And in joint fourth, actually, um, it's uh, Ujwal Kharki uh, with... UJK Zombies, uh, new entry uh, into the top five. Uh, unfortunately, didn't go too well this week. It's only 42 points. So Eden Hazard, Christian Eriksen um, did the business for him, but the rest of his team were blank. So he still did okay, but it looks like it was quite a poor week for the Zombies. Uh, incidentally, Thomas, uh, top of the league at the moment, is 81k, um, which is kind of depressing for everybody involved on this particular pod. <laughs> right, uh, moving on to, finally to the All England team this week. Things went okay. Uh, three points above the average. Uh, Raheem Sterling came off the bench to score. Uh, left the captaincy on him because um, there were suggestions that the unspecified Bambi family member of the manager was out also with us on Friday night. Um, and also, uh, but there was a bit of uh, a bit of luck this week, Nick, in that um, Jesse Lingard, who was going to be the person I was going to remove, um, scored a goal. Uh, nine points. Uh, other than that, Kieran Trippier uh, got a clean sheet. Uh, Bennett got a clean sheet. He, he also got a new contract this week, Ryan Bennett, so watch out for a goal against Liverpool. And uh, also uh, Harry Kane uh, got that assist in the last minute. So 46 points, not particularly great, but equally not terrible. A little bit of a green arrow for them. They're just outside the top million at the moment. Yeah, and it's always nice to see those young players like Jesse Lingard sort of proving themselves at the top level. <laughs> Oh, he's, such a, he's such a young prospect. Right, okay, uh, let's take a break there, guys, and move on to community session. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. If you haven't joined already, the code is 516 dash. 4-4-1. And yeah, so it's actually very tight at the top at the moment. Um, there's only 10 points separating num uh, position 10 and uh, position 1, so can change any way each game week. But it's Xavier Labat still that just about hangs on to that number one spot with FC Verde Beerman with a 43-point return and a minus four. So disappointing um, week for Xavier, but he's still up there with an overall rank of 168. He was bailed out of jail to a certain extent by his city assets. Captain Sterling got him 12 and Sane got him 10, plus a Wambasaka six. But hot on his tail is, is Guy Guy, Vinaldium Leviosa, with a 73-point return. Um, you know, the likes of Hazard being key men, um, Sterling, Sane, uh, Doherty, Fabianski in goal, Jimenez and Captain Kane getting him a very decent return for the game week. Uh, just to sort of round up the top 10 because it is so close. We've got uh, Richard Nyquist, Love Street FC still up there. Just one point behind Guy Guy, three points behind Xavier with 1,146. He got 66 points. Uh, this game week, we've got Tori Van Pedersen, the charismatic, got 71 points. He's on 1,145, as is Oli Christian Pedersen. Um, I don't know if they're related or not, but they've also on exactly the same points. And he got 56 points. So um, well done, guys, there. Kurt Goodwin with the Iron Laddies still up there as well with 1143. Simon Johnson couldn't care less, got 64 with 1142. Salva Ibarra with the Mendigos got 1141. And on 1139, it's a 
joint position between Robert Hudeck and Ashley Humphrey, who, uh, yeah, both got 50, well, got well, Ashley Humphrey got 54 and Robert Hudeck got 46. So, yeah, very, very tight at the top. And it continues all the way, actually, to position 50. He's only on one 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 zero. So, you know, it's a very, very competitive league now. Someone could jump right to the top from just one game week. Yeah, exactly. And we saw Guy Guy last week uh, slip down uh, outside of the top 10, I believe, at one point. Um, so it just goes to show how much kind of one game week is really affecting things at the moment, especially around those kind of upper echelons in the league. Cool. Um, just say thank you to everybody who came to the London meetup. Far too many people to name, uh, but we had a great night. Um, I wish I hadn't done the Kalasnats transfer now. I wish I'd gotten more drunk and forgotten about it. And <laughs> yeah, g- generally, uh, we had a great night, didn't we, Nick? Yeah, absolutely brilliant time. Yeah, thanks again, Falls that came. Sorry if I didn't get to speak to everyone. It was just one of those really busy nights. Turnout was absolutely massive. So, yeah, we had a really good time. Yeah, decent spreads <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a few beers, uh, you know, you know, some heavy heads the next morning. But, yeah, all good fun. Really nice to meet the, the guys in the community. And, yeah, we look forward to our, our next meet where we do something in the summer, perhaps at the end of the season we might do as well. Got a couple of things to just mention this week. The first is that I'm likely to be on the FPL show with our overlord, David Monday, on the 27th of December. I'm going to be on it at midnight UK time because of the West Ham-Southampton game. They scraped the barrel. They, they looked for everybody who could possibly do it. Who hasn't got anything better to do? I'll wait. Probably Tom. Uh, so I'll be I'll be going uh, over to Stockley Park and uh, probably having a couple of drinks with David, watching the game, and then going on the show, uh, which should be quite a good fun. Uh, but I doubt I'll, I'll probably be a bit knackered at that point. So I'm glad I'll have some makeup on. Um, a shout out to 90 Matt as well, um, who are launching on Thursday their Fantasy Football Monthly, uh, which is new content from them. Um, we and Mark have contributed in terms of written content, uh, and our kind of contribution encompasses the selfish in this we spoke about last week. Um, this is going to be a regular thing that 90 Matt are doing. Um, you can find out more about it um, on their Twitter feed at 90 Matt. Uh, and on their website at 90mat.com, we had uh, Tom on uh, the edge last year, and he was a really cool guy. And they've done you know, come on leaps and bounds in terms of the quality and depth of their article. So, yeah, very excited to be uh, involved with that. And, Mark, you're involved with that too, aren't you? Yeah, pleasure to be involved in that. It's, it's a very exciting project. So, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the final the final product. Some really good writers involved there. Um, I've done a piece on, on the five most wanted this season. So, Salah, Kane, Hazard. Aubameyang and, and Sterling and, and I've ranked those you know for the Christmas period so so keep an eye out for that for that on Thursday. Cool yeah also features the likes of um, FPL Stag who some of you may know as an international TV celebrity. Right uh, moving on to uh, the questions this week the first one is Alongo uh, quite a few questions about this guy uh, of course Marcos Alonso, uh, FPL Zoal, uh, Addicts123 and FPL JK asked us basically what do we make of Alonso now? Uh, JK um, asks if ownership is what's holding us back. Uh, do we all own Alonso? We do right? What are your thoughts on Alonso guys? Uh, Mark what do you think first? Yeah, I, th- I feel like this Alonso question comes up every week. You know, it's it doesn't doesn't matter what he does in a game week. People yep. people think about selling him no matter what because he's the most expensive defender in the game. For me, he's a season keeper. I never even think about selling him. Um, I rarely look at player ownership uh, when I play FPL, so I don't even know what his ownership is. I just know he's a player that I like owning, uh, and he's going nowhere. Looking at Chelsea's fixtures, Leicester, Watford, Palace, Southampton, Newcastle, you know, five great fixtures coming up. Um, it, it would have been very different as well. You know, I don't think we'd be getting this question this week if if that Alonso uh, shot that hit the post had gone in and Chelsea kept the You know, it's fine margins. Alonso's actually hit the post four times now this season, more than any other player 
in the league. So that's a lot of FPL points that are that were lost, thanks to the woodwork. Um, so for me, for me, it's a it's a hold, um, and and more than likely, it's it's a season long hold for me. Um, it's just his price. You know, he's he's only. It's it's easy to think of him as the most expensive defender, but when you compare him to the only players who've scored more of them more than him are what Salah, Hazard, and Sterling. Uh, he's, I think he's got a hundred points. You know, he's only seven seven point one million. That's the way I look at it. Um, he's he's a he's a set and forget for me. Yeah, I'd completely agree with you in all those points you just made. I think in the absence of Hazard in my team as well, he's the next best thing in terms of Chelsea coverage. And every time I ask, I'm asked this question, it does come up. At least someone asks sort of every game week that we do the pod. Um, I highlight his dual threat of sort of defensive returns and attacking returns. I mean, he plays currently for the team with the second highest amount of goal attempts with 281. He still remains the most dangerous defender with 25 goal attempts so far this season. He's only had one goal to his name so far but I expect another one imminently like you said he's hit the post four four or so times this season and he also plays for the third best defence with only 14 goals conceded I think people act like he is an expensive asset in the team but in reality he's only 7.0 7.1 most of us bought him at 6.5 and like you said there's only three FPL players currently outscoring this guy so why would you get rid and, and Chelsea's fixtures as well it's worth mentioning are really good they've got Leicester Watford Palace Southampton Newcastle so you know really good fixture run and um, yeah I, I reckon Alonso's going to continue to return whether it be clean sheets or or the odd assist here and there yeah, I, I can. I understand that. I, I'm holding Alonso. I'm fairly sure because I've got other fires to put out. I can see where people are looking elsewhere. I mean, uh, over the last six game weeks, for example, I did a little comparison of David Luiz and Alonso. And David Luiz is actually outperforming Alonso. Crucially, David Luiz has a higher XGI than Alonso. Expected goal involvement, which is quite interesting. And looking at uh, Chelsea Twitter as well, um, quite a few people talking up Emerson at the moment. And I saw one tweet today that was retweeted by one of the journos who covered Chelsea, saying, "Oh, you know, uh, give him a chance." So give give Emerson a chance. He can do the job too. So maybe Chelsea fans getting upset with him, but I don't think we should be getting upset with him for now. I think that as uh, Mark you just said, and as we said at the top as well earlier on, like returns are so close. It, it was it could have easily been a fifteen pointer against uh, against Brighton, and you know with a defence which is the third best defence in the Premier League, with that player who can any game whip out a free kick or uh, at least turn to assist Lonzo and get you eleven points. That is going to uh, be a player that. Ha- that player creates a compelling case. Um, you say you don't look at ownership. The ownership is uh, 46%. So if he does do anything, you don't own him. That's going to be pretty painful and pretty hard to come back from week to week. Um, so, yeah, uh, for, for me, if you do have Alonso, hold him. Like, if you are very, very desperate, you know, if there's a sterling transfer and you just feel like you need to get rid of Alonso, then maybe there's a case to do it if you can defend it. And you probably can in that circumstance. But for the majority of it, I'm probably the same as you guys. And I won't be looking at removing him unless Emerson Palmieri comes in and starts to do bits on the left flank uh, whilst Alonso is watching from the bench, preening his lovely hair. Right, uh, let's move on to the next question then, which is uh, Kane Fears, uh, probably one for you, Nick, as, as a specialist. Spurs fan. Uh, so Deepak says he watched the Spurs match and uh, as you noticed earlier, Kane was constantly dropping deep and drifting out wide. He seems to do that uh, when Ericsson, Ali and Son don't play and uh, Mora obviously also has a bit of negative impact on his positioning. Do you think people should start to be set, uh, thinking about selling him? 
Look, so um, I'm, I am considering selling Kane, and, and to me, it just at the end of the day, it comes down to his value. I wanted Kane for the last few fixtures, uh, particularly the Burnley at home game. I thought this was, you know, the perfect game to give him the captaincy. I also gave him the captaincy in the Leicester game, and unfortunately, didn't start that one. Though he did return for me against Southampton. However, I just think in terms of value for money, I was always planning on getting Sterling in this game week. So Salah was probably going to be my full guy. But now I think it does have to be Kane. In that game, yeah, he was constantly dropping deep. He was drifting out wide. Um, I think just generally, it seems that Lucas Moura had quite a negative impact on his positioning. Like um, Deepak said, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. I think you can't fit all these guys in. But in terms of, in terms of value... Kane is just perhaps too expensive for me to carry if I want to get in Sterling, if I want to keep the likes of Sane and, and keep the likes of Aubameyang, he will be the full guy for me. And if they've got Everton up next, so it's not the worst fixture to sell him for. Perhaps if he returns against Bournemouth, maybe he returns against Wolves, or, you know, I might have to bring him back in. Um, especially, I think they've got have they got Fulham after Manchester United. I think they might do. So I think especially then I'll probably be starting to think about bringing him in again and and playing that premium ping pong that I was talking about. But he seems to be that guy this season that's in and out of my team, sort of a lot and, and never really returning. Returning and compared to the other premium assets, you know, Hazard looks like a better pick. Salad looks like a better pick. Sterling looks like a better pick. Is there really space for Kane? I'm, I'm not too sure at the moment. Yeah, on Kane again, for me, you know, I, I weighed up Harry Kane versus Aubameyang uh, three weeks ago for, you know, three or four days. And when it came down to making the final decision, it's just, you know, I always try and take every new season as a as a clean slate. And I've I've always been a big Kane owner over the seasons. You know, he played a big part in my... Uh, you know, very good finishes over the last uh, two or three seasons. But this season, to me, he just doesn't look like the player he has been in previous seasons. And couple that with his, you know, 12.5 million price tag. It's just it's just not for me this season. I think when, when you look at the fact that uh, Harry Kane was 12.5 in game week one and Callum Wilson was 6 million and, and Callum Wilson has outscored him to this point, I think that tells you all you need to know about, about Harry Kane this season. And... Again, it goes back to the to the premium strikers. You know, do we need them at all when there is people like Callum Wilson offering such good value? I own Kane, and I the, the reason I did own Kane. I mean, it's interesting. So you keep a, you kind of have a clean slate. Um, I just remembered over Christmas last season what he did, um, and he was, if I remember correctly, last season also looking fairly languid. And we were all also saying, "Oh, is this still the same guy?" Just the case of whatever, for whatever reason, like last season, he did overperform in terms of his XG to what he actually got. And he did have a moment where he did click and it did click around Christmas time when he got those hat tricks in a row, right? But that is, I'm aware of that's really flimsy. The Everton game's not very good, but the Bournemouth game I had my eye on as being a game to have a Harry Kane captain in game week 19 Boxing Day when a lot of people have no Salah against Newcastle, of course. And uh, they, they do have a decent run of fixtures, but it is down to that, that 12.6, isn't it, really? Like, I'm not too sure I want to be playing a premium ping pong in the same way you are, Nick. I think that there will come a week when 
owning Kane is going to be a, a decent difference. At the moment, he is still going to be in my captain against Bournemouth. But a lot of that is going to depend on the eye test and whether Christian Eriksen and Son Heung-min are going to be playing alongside him for the next three games. If he is playing alongside the likes of Lucas Moura and playing alongside the likes of uh, Eric Lamella, he does turn into a kind of a, a younger version of Wayne Rooney, doesn't he? Like dropping so deep. But if Eriksen is there to link it all together then I think it becomes a completely different proposition. You've really seen the limited time that Ericsson's been on the pitch. His creativity is absolutely magnificent. So as we've known for a long time, he is the person who links um, links the play together and gets Kane into those scoring positions. If if Ericsson's not there, effectively, it's like advanced Dembele theory. If Ericsson's not there, I don't think Kane is quite the same proposition. I'm just hoping that he will be, especially in that Bournemouth game and hopefully and maybe in that Wolves game too. Interesting kind of side note here then, if we're looking at getting rid of Kane potentially, quite a few people did ask us this week about the Power 5 midfield, um, like uh, Andy, let's talk FPL, has got at the moment. Uh, so Karan, desperately de- seeking Duzan and sent to the stands, asked us if the Power 5 midfield is the way to go. And it might be worth kind of just, just mentioning your thoughts on that just quickly before we move on to the next two questions. Um so I've got Sana and Sterling, like we're thinking of bringing in Mark, and I've got Felipe Anderson and uh, and Richarlison as as my kind of four midfielders. And I think I might it, there is scope to remove to remove Kennedy and put Hazard in there by getting rid of one of one of Kane or Bamiang. And I'm seriously considering doing that. So I think that might be a really nice setup because there is a lot of value in midfield at the moment. I think. Um, what are you guys thinking about that? Is that something you're you're watching and thinking? Oh, you know, it might be time to to really kind of bulk up my midfield, Nick. So yeah, midfield definitely seems to be where the money is. Midfielders are, are definitely generally outscoring the forwards. We've got so many players that are sort of classified as midfielders now, but they're not really midfielders. That a lot of them are playing as number nines or inside forwards. You know, spending more time in the box than the traditional number nines. You know, you've got the likes of Richarlison, Mo Salah, you know, Hazard and Sane and Sterling, and you know, getting all these penalty box touches. So I think there's definitely a case for sort of a power midfield five. I mean, I think I'm actually going to be lining up um, with five in midfield with my plans move uh, for the first time this season, even though it's not really a sort of premium front line because I've got Fraser and Snodgrass making up the numbers in that midfield. But definitely there seems to be a case, we talked about at the beginning of the season, a, pay, a case for the defence. Currently, the sort of the zeitgeist is with the midfields, the front line. We, we were like hyped. We talked all pre-season about this period where Spurs and Arsenal had great fixtures and it was going to be the time of Kane and Aubameyang. And perhaps, predictably, they're, they're not really achieving the wonders whilst the likes of Hazard still continue to, to deliver and Mo as well. The, the, the power five is something um, something I'm looking at as well. I was watching Andy's stream last night and that's kind of what got me thinking about it. The If, if I do the moves that I talked about uh, this week, that would give me Hazard, Sani, Sterling and Richarlison. Then I could keep Aubameyang for a couple of weeks. And obviously, if he underperforms, he could become someone like uh, Chicharito, um, even Rashford, uh, Danny Ings. Um, and then I could upgrade Danny Ward to someone like, you know, Felipe Anderson to give me the power five. So that's that's where my head's at at the moment. Uh, I'm looking at possibly moving towards a 3-5-2, but we know with FPL, things can change. I mean, if Aubameyang goes and bangs in two hat tricks next two weeks, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sell him then. So, it all my my formation switch really depends on what Aubameyang does in the next two weeks. If he performs well, I'd probably stick with three four three. If he underperforms, he'll probably go in a, in a switch to a a three five two. 
Interesting. Yeah, I think this leads us uh, segues very well into the next question, actually, um, just because I think that if one of these, those two guys, or in your case, Aubameyang goes, then it's a case of who are we going to be looking at amongst the project strikers? And we've spoken a little bit more than anticipated about Mitrovic, so the kind of the question in itself is moot, which is from Neil Baxter, who asked uh, what we think of Mitrovic. Um, but I think there might be here a good time to speak about the budget strikers generally and the guys we do have our eyes on. I mean, you both mentioned Danny Ings. Um, I understand that. And as the cheapest playing striker who's got uh, an explosive output in him, I, I can't see much of a case looking beyond him. But you know, the Chicharitos and the uh, the Jimenezes of the world, um, these are all characters who are performing pretty well this year. I mean, Callum Wilson does have a very good game straight away this week if you don't him he might want to be considering too um but which budget strikers are we looking at um to kind of uh enable these sorts of movements onwards mark ings it caught your eyes because of the value there yeah it's a combination of those things you know he looked he looked great on his comeback i had him earlier in the season and he did very well for me and i'm a big fan of him he's a you know he's a clinical striker um and you know, I'm looking at bringing him in possibly for Mitrovic this week. I've already got Jimenez, who I brought in four weeks ago and has been excellent value. You know, all he needs to do is chip away with the odd goal or assist, and he's he's doing that. And he can do that against the bigger sides as well. Where you know, Wolves have Wolves have turned their form around a little bit now as well, which is positive for the likes of of the Hardy and Jimenez. So I'm happy to own both of those guys. You know, when it comes to moving Aubameyang on, if I do so in, in two weeks' time, it's probably you know. My, my troll, Callum Wilson, you know, I may go back to him. Um, but there's just so many budget options. Even, you know, United have great fixtures. Could Rashford do something? I always find it pretty hard to trust United uh, players in FPL, especially attackers. Um, but but Rashford is showing form and the fixtures are definitely there as well. Um, so, yeah, him and, it'll be probably Jimenez and Ings and then five midfielders. So it's 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 a matter of getting a third one then, whoever whoever tickles my fancy. And even even camera, we didn't mention camera, you know, I think he's four point four. Oh yeah. He's and he's getting game time. So, you know, if he continues to get game time, yes, Fulham are awful. But if he gets game time, you know, he's a good he's a good option to have on your bench in that three five two as maybe your first or second sub. Yeah, we're doing the same job that Isaac Success is doing for me and Nick. We <laughs> not expect very much from that sort of level of player, guys. Although there is a penalty for Fulham and uh, Mitro's off the bench, uh, off the pitch, then maybe he might do something. I mean, Rashford's an interesting one. So I know, Nick, you were slightly considering him, and they do come into a very, very good run of fixtures, United. They've got Cardiff uh, away and Huddersfield and Bournemouth at home over, over the next three, which is absolutely phenomenal. They only play Spurs at the top, uh, the top five. Um, up until game week 25. Um, this run also takes in home games in game week 23 and 24 against Brighton and Burnley. I think Kimenez is, is, is a great show. He's actually a player I sold. But, um, you know, in terms of underlying stats, he's actually equaling uh, Kane for goal attempts. He's had 52 compared to Kane's 53. So, you know, he's, he's nearly matching Kane. Um, and also around penalty box touches, he's at 81 compared to Kane's 86, and he's, he's under half the price of Kane's. So I think that really sticks out of the you know the the excessive cost that some of us are you know spending the money on Kane when you can get Jimenez in and you've got an extra 6.4 million that could be used to to bolster that midfield. So I, I really understand the logic um, there in terms of having Jimenez over Kane, um, and the same with um, Danny Ings, who's the player that I probably am bringing in this game week. He's only 5.4, but you know, he's got six goals now to his name. Yeah, he's also up there for goal attempts with 36, which is um, one of the highest forwards. Um, the other person 
which I thought I'd shout out just to entertain you, Tom. If you want a one-week punt, is uh, Salomon Rondon, <laughs> who's uh, who's got four goals now to his name. He's actually been performing pretty well. He's 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 quite high with goal attempts, twenty-nine, and he's playing the worst team in the league, Fulham. So you know, if you're if you're fancying a free hit or you're fancying a one-week punt, why not give him a go? Yeah, he's never speaking the blank for you, isn't he? Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with all those points. Um, I think Ings is obviously the the value pick and uh, did look very good, didn't he? He'll get you 60, 70 minutes. And I think he got bonus points for 40 minutes, didn't he, not very long ago. So he is one of those kind of players who is getting those uh, getting those extra points for you. I, I, I do think that Jimenez is the one, though, and that I'm really going to be looking at. I mean, this guy has... You know, really returned like he's returned in, in all sorts of things in every game of the man city um of the top five that he's played well top six he's played uh he's got an assist against man united he got a goal and assist against spurs which included a penalty he got an assist against arsenal and he also got a goal against chelsea so he is able to get points in any sort of game which is which is quite heartening really so if i do end up selling on kane if i do end up sending on Bamiang, i think he'll be the guy that i try to fit in um I got Liverpool this week, obviously, but the week I'll be targeting him, him targeting him will be next week against Fulham. I do have a, a fairly dodgy, uh, a fairly dodgy short-term run: at Liverpool, Fulham, Tottenham, Crystal Palace, Man City, and Leicester. Uh, but those Tottenham and uh, Man City games, maybe you could you could field him, and um, you could maybe get points out of him. His goal involvement is very high at the moment. Himnes has been involved, which is you no know, talisman status. It's very, very good to own that sort of guy. 6.2, that's still great value. And as you've said, Nick, he is uh, equaling Kane on an overall level in terms of uh, in terms of the stats. So, yeah, definitely one I'm going to be looking at. And they do come into good fixtures Wolves as well. After the Manchester game, in game week 22, it's in game week 23 and 29, they play no teams in the top six. Okay, uh, the final question this week is on the double hammering. Uh, Will Bill asked if Snodgrass and Anderson are a good pairing for the foreseeable future. I think maybe outside of your own teams, guys, just as options within price brackets, what do you make of these two guys? Yeah, Anderson has impressed me big time this season, but Snodgrass as well. You know, Snodgrass is posting very good stats as well because I looked at both, I compared both of them last week for my own podcast uh, because I had a question about them. You know, there's a two million difference in price and Snodgrass at the moment is, is, is producing the goods, but it's whether he can do that long term. I just feel with Anderson, you're bringing in a player who you can probably keep for the rest of the season, whereas Snodgrass, you know, may up may end up being a transfer out at some point. But I think while he's in in, in the form that he's in, you know, he's on set pieces as well. I think he's worth he's he's very good value, and you, you know there is there is a case to be made. West Ham are playing so well, you know, they're scoring a lot of goals. There is a case to be made to double up uh, on both of them. Uh, I can't do that because I've got Fabianski and Balbuena. But anyone who maybe already has Anderson, you know, he's a popular pick, and you know they're looking at a looking for a budget midfielder. There's no no reason why you couldn't double up on, on both of those for the next maybe three or four weeks with uh, take advantage of the good fixtures for West Ham. Yeah, I've generally been a big fan of Snodgrass, obviously, because since I brought him in, he's been returning serious points. But he's also been racking up the bonus points. Like you said, he's been on the set pieces, so he's been creating a lot of chances for his teammates. Actually, in the last four game weeks, um, he's created 13 chances, which is a joint highest alongside Aiden Hazard. And, and he's really good value as well. And, and West Ham have just had this amazing run of fixtures, and it, and it doesn't quite end yet. So they've still got nice fixtures against Watford, Southampton, Burnley, Brighton. I think Snodgrass is one of those players I never expected to be in my team again. I think I owned him for a patch when he was at Hull. I also owned him for a patch when um, he was at Norwich. And after Hull got relegated, I said goodbye, Robert Snodgrass. I'm never going to see you again in my team. But he, somehow he's, he's managed to, to make it back in there. And yeah, I don't, 
I don't foresee him being in there till the end of the season. I completely agree with you. I'm sure he'll be transferred out at some point. But in the meantime, I'm enjoying the points and hopefully he can maintain this run of form as, as West Ham continue to to deliver. Yeah, Felipe Anderson, he's perhaps the, the pick of the, the bunch for West Ham, but he is that little bit more expensive. So you have to sacrifice um, other positions you know, to, to force him. So I think that's the challenge there. But he has, he has been creating lots of chances, scoring lots of goals as well. And both of them have been doing brilliantly for owners. Yeah, what's interesting, we've noticed it a few times that Anderson has definitely changed his role. He's now uh, with Yarmolenko out and uh, also with Arnautovic out. He's really stepped up and he's really assumed talisman status for West Ham. It's really interesting uh, still comparing the, the distribution versus the attack threat of both uh, Snodgrass and uh, Felipe Anderson. So as you noted, um, Snodgrass has created 13 chances in the last uh, in the last four, whereas uh, Felipe, uh, Felipe Anderson's uh, only created five. Uh, conversely, in terms of uh, goal attempts, Leo Anderson has had far more than Snodgrass. He's had eight, whereas Snodgrass had three. Scored, scored two of them. Oh, he scored two of them. Overperforming even more. Um, <laughs> it's like but, Marshall. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, God, let's not go there again. It will be interesting to see whether that extra two million uh, for Philippe Anderson is going to turn out to be worth it because, you know, you could end up with a mini kind of Sigurdsson situation going on with Snodgrass if he is the key man set pieces. And, you know, one might go on to the other general Balbuena's head uh, one day. And Right, uh, let's uh, move on to the end then, guys. Uh, thanks very much for your time today. Uh, let's move on to transfers and captains. Um, let's uh, think about what we're going to be doing this week. Uh, Mark, as the guest, what are you, what are you thinking of doing? Uh, you think you've talked about it a few times is that certain based on the well subjects of league cup or yeah it's i i tend not to give my transfers too much thought early in the week so i, I am going to wait until after I'll, I'll probably watch that city game and then i'll think more you know in depth about what i want to do but that's the initial thoughts after game week 17 is i want to get sterling uh, i want to get sani and, and danny ings in for a minus four so that that's where i'm at at the moment captaincy then will be one of the uh, city guys uh, sterling or sani um probably sterling but again just going to wait until the, the see how the cup game goes uh, before coming to any final decisions and, I, and you know i haven't ruled out keeping salah as well so as i say friday friday's a long way away I, i'm actually traveling on friday it's a friday evening deadline traveling back to ireland on friday so i'm probably going to have to lock in my team on thursday night which is not ideal and i'm probably going to miss some of the press conferences but we'll see we'll see what happens yeah for me it's it's very similar transfers that i'm planning in terms of the players i'm looking at is most likely going to be sterling and, and danny ings that i bring in for my two free transfers and at the moment it looks like kane's going to be potentially the full guy and hoiberg as well so i like the fact that that gives me an extra player to play that I'm actually going to play in my starting 11 quite often um, in terms of captains at the moment I've got on the Aubameyang um, I might be tempted to go down that Sterling route depends like you said about what happens in the League Cup who plays who looks good and I'll, I'll judge it based on that but at the moment it's on Aubameyang but it could easily be Sterling I haven't quite made my mind up yet yeah so you're getting rid of uh, using both free transfers at once sorry no? um for me, it's uh, I'm going to try this week to roll it. I'm hoping that there's going to be no big injury anywhere and I'm able to finally bank two FTs only to, of course, muff up wherever I do. Um, it just feels that kind of way at the moment for me in case you hadn't guessed. Uh, but I'll be captaining uh, whichever one of Sterling and Orsano plays least minutes uh, midweek. If they both play 90, then I'll obviously watch the game and try to take what I can from it. But, you know, someone said to me the other day, I, I can't see Sterling missing two uh, league games in a row. I think Pep can. 
I'm sure there's some crazy reason in his mind uh, for, for for why Sterling should be uh, used in, in the League Cup over being used in the league. Um, if they both play 90, then it does open the doors for Bamiyang. But having seen what um, what they did to Spurs and the fact that we, you know, unless Oatsall, uh, that game can be too physical for Oatsall, isn't it? So he's not going to be playing. Um, and Mkhitaryan, well, in an, uh, I'm guessing official FPL are going to start saying, oh, it's time to speak about him again. But I'm not too sure he's also going to be able to break through the stub in defence that they've got there. Uh, so what I want to weigh up, but if both Sane and Sterling play 90 minutes, then that might be one that does come in. Uh, I did sign a Bamiyang for captioning him here so it sounds it seems a bit silly but you can't ignore the uh the city boys there can you really okay uh there's a theme every week last week it was red dead redemption of course and aaron at england 23 got their first with a very camp gif of wayne and smithers dancing around uh with, with a whip uh, nick really enjoyed that one yeah that was hilarious um so yeah just to say who we are we are who got the assist you can find us on twitter at wgta underscore fpl and our lead code is 516-441 mark at fpl general brilliant to have you on the show thanks for joining us um yeah great to have you um and i'm sure we'll have you again sometime soon as well yeah cheers thanks for having me on guys a pleasure as always and merry christmas you filthy animals Thank you. It's always good in a Northern Irish brogue, that one. Uh, we'll obviously be back sometime soon. We're trying to figure out when it might be. It might be a WGT Q&A just because of the way that the game weeks work around Christmas. It's going to be very difficult to get a pod in, edited, and still be valid for longer than two days. Um, but we'll try to do something um, before the new year, even if it's just a YouTube appearance. But for now, uh, we hope this assisted you, and we hope we have assisted you over the last year. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of our listeners, and speak to you very, very soon. Yep, Merry Christmas all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.